imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal with your host, Kalin Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rock about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though, if you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with sharp and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. It's a real one. I choose to go my life to. That's okay. It means something. It means something. That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed. It is a science thing. It is a science place. It is a scientific fact. We are all up in your face. It's time for the one, the only protonic reversal. Welcome to it. Episode 201. I actually interrupted the end of the 200th episode uh, to introduce the the second decade, I guess this would be, of protonic reversal if, if episodes were years. And believe me, some of them feel like they are. Uh, but some of them don't, and I'm very excited to be joined by a very awesome, very talented, very talented young man, young up-and-comer, uh, Mr. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Christopher Williams of Plastic Flame Press, Maple Stave, and The Operative on Radio Nope. Chris, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for having me. Uh, for, for those that uh, are not me, he the video, uh, Chris is very well-dressed. He's, he, he's dressing for success, and I, and I appreciate that. I appreciate someone. I put on my well, finest Captain America shirt, so I hope you appreciate that. <laughs> well, it, it, it's after six. What am I, a farmer? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm really, I, I'm really I'm, I'm surprised it took me this long to have you on. Uh, I mean, I'm not surprised because I forget obvious stuff all the time. But uh, it, you, you're a guy that does a lot, and as as a fellow dude that does a lot, uh, game respect game. <laughs> yeah, that's the uh, what was the the name tag that I would wear around the alternate timeline, Conan Newton. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and you know that's to say nothing of of uh, the music stuff, the screen printing, uh, the comic books, and then. I, th- I think the the least known of, of your ventures uh, is probably the operative, and that's, I guess, one of the reasons why we're here. It's an interesting show. So this is this is an interview style show. Uh, but can can you tell us a little more about it, just to kind of kind of set the mood for what people can expect if they want if they're going to listen in? Yeah, I uh, I just wanted to kind of talk to people like uh, my my bandmates. You know, we being in vans together, being in practice every week, like we'll have conversations about bands that have really meant a lot to us. And uh, and I realize that it's not always a conversation that you end up having with a lot of people that you know, um, and especially with people that you don't know. So uh, so I just uh, I, I got kind of interested to find out. What bands sort of motivated people to uh, to make music, and uh, or in some cases like uh, my buddy uh, JT that I talked to in the first season, he's a poster artist, um, and to talk to him about uh, 
uh, widespread panic, which was this band that has like meant so much to him. Uh, he went from uh, uh, making like bootleg T-shirts and stuff and selling them in the parking lot of widespread shows to being right. yeah, one yeah, of yeah, their like, you, artists. Yeah, yeah, yeah to, to actually working with them, like, like, yeah, which is. That's such a. They're considered a jam band, right? I mean, that's that's. I think so. Yeah, I, but I, I but never we, know. some people get really upset. There's not a jam. Okay. Well, well that's we we talk about it in the talk, episode. You did talk about it. I don't a, remember where, it, where it landed though. <laughs> it's uh yeah it's kind of a yeah yeah it's I I believe that it fell that like Fish is more of a jam band, which prior to to doing any research for that episode. I just assume that fish and widespread were like one and the same and they're not. So, uh, so that, right. that's the other thing for me is that like, I, I'm not familiar with a lot of the bands that people want to talk about. And so it gives me an opportunity to seek out some of the music and to listen to it too. So I think, it, and it's interesting that, yeah, like one of the hooks for the show is that it's about somebody who you like and respect uh, enough to have on the show talking about something that is influential to them an artist that's influential to them and that seems to manifest in a bunch of different ways for some people it's like oh here's my favorite band for some people it's like oh here's you know something that you know i, I like this band it started this professional relationship etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. like the applications for that are actually pretty unique in the fact that it, there wouldn't necessarily be like one answer or like one story to get there Right, and and that's like when I talked to you, and we, we talked about Nick Cave, <laughs> right. and it became it, it it wasn't just that Nick Cave's music meant something to you; it was the way that Nick Cave's work ethic helped influence you. Uh, and the big someone, swings and the uh, and the big misses too. Like I was just yeah, and just as influ- yeah. like like oh well that didn't connect at all for me, but. Hey, good on that's, him. A, that's I, awesome. <laughs> I, I talked to someone uh, in one of the new episodes about uh, how uh, Jonathan Larson, who wrote Rent, mm-hmm. uh, influenced her to uh, uh, want to get into musical theater, and now she's been in a band for ten years up in New York, and so. Yeah, and it, it occurs to me that if that has been done too, if if that. Uh, particular almost rhetorical hook might be the way to put it has been done it's certainly not been done oh. in this way and you mean poorly right yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean i was gonna say thoughtfully <laughs> this is my performance you, yeah, review yeah, yeah, this is my radio note performance <laughs> review <laughs> so i'm gonna mark it as needs improvement on the promotional <laughs> angle but uh... <laughs> we renewed you for 10 but we're gonna have to see how the first five fly and <laughs> Exactly. We're we're a very busy station. It's a you know it's it's, it's, a, it's our primary concern as well as you know making sure the hard drive doesn't run out of space. Uh, yeah. But, but uh, no. But but in all seriousness, it, it does strike me that it is an interesting hook because anything where like let's say for, for the most part, most of the artists you have, whether they're musicians, whether they're visual artists, whatever they're. They're not necessarily going to be household names, but mm-hmm. there can be an avenue into someone discovering this person by, by like, oh, they're talking about, you know, such and such band. Cool. I like that band. Let's see what this is all about. And, yeah. and then, you, you know, you get idiots like me that, like, just barely even talk about it and just end up, like, talking about themselves and their mental problems. But, <laughs> you know, like, it, it is something where it's 
the tie-in to the art itself, I think, is is very interesting. And again, hearing the different paths and, and stuff along those lines, and the fact that you you got some part twos, but you you tie it into like a half hour episode. Now, did you decide to keep that format a half hour for a specific reason? Uh, it seemed like it was easier to try and do that. Um, I I I don't like doing a lot of editing work, so uh, I I. I I did a podcast for uh, for a while with uh, my cousin, the uh, Comics in the Golden Age podcast, and we uh, we had lots of editing that we would have to do with the conversation and uh, uh, doing music in the background and stuff like that. And uh, it was a it was a real it it took a lot of time. For every hour long episode, it meant like two or three hours of post-production and it's like, Oh, okay. This, that's a little much. Yeah. I testify because I despise editing and that's one of the reasons why I, <laughs> why I don't. And that's one of the reasons why I just forced myself to get good at, you know, for better or for worse, being the guy and doing the thing that the show is and be comfortable with that. And, uh, and also for me, it gets the live feel, but uh, yeah. So, but it almost seems like to me, getting it down to, a half hour it seems like that would cause more editing problems to me it it causes more editing problems because to kind of bring it in to exactly ha- a half an hour i uh i have a uh a, well there you go uh i don't know if it's a speech impediment or a stutter or whatever but uh I say uh a whole lot. Oh, the so, ums and uhs. Yeah, that, that's a, yeah. So <laughs> the hell that is editing. I discovered on ums and uhs, especially when it's people yeah. like it's like wow, sure do you say um a lot? Yeah. I, I I know what that waveform looks like, and so I just go through. <laughs> you can I, recognize I, the waveform yeah. by sight. That's amazing. I love that. That makes I, sense. It makes sense. Yeah. I I see those. I cut those out, and it's like oh cool. It's exactly half an hour. <laughs> Uh, turns out there was a 15 minutes of just ums and us. So that's, you yeah. know, hey, it all worked out okay. <laughs> well, and, and again, not to not to put too fine a point on it, but you're an artist yourself, both musically uh, and a, as a visual artist. So you're not coming at this from a perspective of someone without your own personal uh, experiences and context for all of it. So the criteria for being on the show, like how do you how do you decide who you're going to have on? Uh, I just, I've made a list of people that uh, I would like to talk to. Some of the, the, some of them are people that uh, I'm closer friends with. Some of them are people that uh, I've, I either have listened to their music or their podcasts, or I've done work with them in the past, like through uh, posters or something. Yeah. And uh, just, just people that I'd like to talk to and for the most part, I've 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 had luck just reaching out and saying, "Hey, do you want to do this?" It'll take like forty five minutes. Yeah, I mean, mm. well, especially now, like, what are people doing? You know. That's... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that that's you know that's I've used that as well. When people are like, wow, you get some amazing guests. I'm like, yeah, everyone's home. Yep. <laughs> like it helps that the show's good, but everyone's home. You know, I mean, it's it's anybody that was like, well, I don't know. It's like. <laughs> I'm going to be really, really busy pointing the laser pointer for the cat. You know, like, I mean, what? <laughs> no, people will have time. And and also it's an interesting hook, too. If you if you talk to someone that, uh, you know, is very eager to talk about, like, their favorite band or if there's, there's a specific story that's no one asked about, uh, 
that ties into their to their own uh, particular story. I mean, that's something that someone's going to be like, great, yeah, let's talk about that. I can't wait to talk about, you know, X, Y, and Z. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. And, and it's well, something that it, it ties into the music fan of, of the artist, I guess is what, what I'm driving mm-hmm. at. And, and I guess for me, I personally find disdainful shows that kind of treat artists as if it's, you know, aliens, mm-hmm. <laughs> cowboys versus aliens or whatever, uh, where, <laughs> where it's ideally an artist should be a fan of, of other art and music right. as well. I mean, sometimes you got to wonder, but... <laughs> but I mean, uh, ideally, it's, it's, it's totally a uh, stars are just like us sort of situation. Uh, <laughs> what what is it? <laughs> Hollywood stars. What do they know? And when did they know it? What what is the yep. what's the bit? <laughs> Wait, no, that's when did they know it? That's like that's like Senate testimony. Whoa, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean, it's it's cool because there's I, I mean with with some of the people that I, I've talk to now that I, I'm not as close with uh, to hear about their experiences and um, their experiences being musicians, how they came to be musicians, and then to talk to some people that I, I've, I've known for a decade and to hear new stories just because this is something that has never come up. Like D- John Hasty and I talk about Naked Raygun and we've never, in 10 years... We've never talked about it's Naked Reagan. Never but, happened to come up, yeah. <laughs> right, but but Naked Reagan is a very important uh, group to him. Sure. So, yeah. but he ends up talking about Red Hot Chili Peppers and stuff, <laughs> as, as as one does. Uh, you know, like it, there's some things that if you know the person, it's like, oh, DJ did Brainiac. That's like the least surprising thing in the world. But it's also like he's coming at it from this place of of extreme right. fandom, and it's like such an important part to his personal story. Well, and and that was one that. He 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 said, "Yeah, I, I want to talk about Brainiac," and for whatever reason, like I I was familiar with Brainiac, and of course I'm familiar with Hi-Fi and Body Futures. And he said, "Oh, I want to talk about Brainiac." It was like, "Oh, yeah, that totally makes sense yeah. to me." Of course he did. I, yeah, I, why, why? I, 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 I but I, but I never like had put the two together. Like, oh, he probably listens to Brainiac. Yeah. He's like, oh yeah. <laughs> Um, so I think it's a yeah. strong possibility that that guy might like <laughs> Brainiac. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they are such a formative band for him, and he speaks with such enthusiasm and heart about it that, uh, you know, it's contagious enthusiasm. And that tends to come across in the show in, in all its many manifestations. You know, I, I really, like, I enjoyed uh, Dylan from God Eaters talking about uh, Leonard Cohen mm-hmm. and stuff like, like that. That was fascinating. Again, and one of the least surprising things in the world, uh, Chris Rasmussen talking about Silkworm. Right. It's like, well, you played in a Silkworm tribute band with the host of the yep. show, so this 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 makes sense. <laughs> this, this, that was uh, I, I did tell tracks. him going when we went into that one. I was like, uh, this is going to be a longer episode because uh, <laughs> we're just going to go ahead and get out of the way. Like I, I Silkworm is my favorite band too, so uh, so. Yeah, so but it also and again it's coming from a place of, of speaking from the heart and from genuine enthusiasm uh for these artists and bands in, in general that I think even if you didn't know those bands and you were listening to the show uh, that would that would get over. That would that would come across and that and that's kind of for my money that's sort of where my metric is is how much do you want to listen to the show if it isn't something you already know about. 
Mm-hmm. And for most shows, it's not at all uh, for me. But <laughs> but there's definitely been ones where I'm like, all right, let's see. I can't wait to hear what this like. What what's this going to be like? Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's in the uh, more digestible half hour format instead of a long form one like this show, <laughs> it, it makes it a, a lower buy in. Uh, to do that, and and it makes it a little more welcoming, and that's something that I don't know if that's planned out, but it definitely it, it comes off uh, prepared and enthusiastic, but not necessarily like, all right, strap in. Right. For the audio listeners, I just mimed a seatbelt. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, and and the thing is too, like I I love lots of uh longer podcasts like i, I listen to yours i listen to barrage i listen there's a never not funny is a comedy podcast i listen to um so i i i like longer form uh podcasts but then i i also like my my brother has a, a podcast um will and matt ninja rap is that's their current season where they're discussing the Ninja Turtle films. Uh, and, uh, and that's, a, that's a man, the name that's called Ninja rap. Yeah. That's, yep. um, that's a good one. But it's, it's, uh, but it's like 30, 45 minutes. And so it's like, I, I can, I can do that. I can go out for a walk or something like that and knock that out. So, uh, yeah. And it's something where, you know, it, it, like I said, it, it, it gets over and that's, It doesn't sound like you're enraptured with the sound of your own voice, and that's good. Oh because... God, no, I'm I'm not. I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there's some shows where it's like, oh, this should be great, but boy, it sounds like everyone's just very delighted to hear themselves speak right now, and that's uh. Marin, are, are you talking about anybody in particular? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'm a, I'm actually oh, okay. not. I'm just talking about uh, just <laughs> talk, talking. <laughs> it's just the pet peeve in general, and oh yeah. Um, yeah, I got I gotta watch myself on some of this stuff, uh, but <laughs> but it's a good show, and I, I do hope that more people check it out. So it, it and you've got a you got a Facebook page for it. Uh, you can subscribe for it for free, as well as it's going to. We're not wrapping up the show, by the way, but uh, we're, we're, <laughs> it, it airs on this night uh, live, which is Tuesday, nine thirty Eastern, every mm. week, so people can tune in, hear the new episodes there. Uh, and, and and that's your slot. And that's something where I think this is something people can just tune in and be like, oh, I wonder what's going on there. And, and it's it's it works as a live show as well, even though they're pre-recorded. And again, that's something that not every show can do. Cause, and one of the reasons why is because it moves along fairly quickly, um, mm-hmm. some, sometimes unpredictably. But it doesn't drag or deviate. No one's in the love with sound of their own voice you know it it, it it crosses the t's it dots the i's it does that's right yeah I, I just want the like I, I i i try to tell people that i'm where i'm gonna start the episode and kind of prompt you to start talking but then i'm i'm gonna try and get out of the way as much as possible just to let you talk about whatever you want to talk about so well, and it's interesting because some people approach things from a, from a more, uh, you know, discography oriented angle, or, or like yeah. very uh, almost mechanically minded. And for some people, it's just more, I like it because it makes me feel this way. Or and some right. people, it's like like, hey, this was 
this artist was a key part of multiple parts of my life and here's those parts of the life so it's sort of it's sort of a it's like the essay question yeah <laughs> well and thing, and right? and the, the 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 interesting part or one of the interesting parts for me is how many people i've talked to that have said like oh yeah i this band means so much to me but it's this album and after this album uh i didn't listen to them yeah and and so things like that that it's like yeah you know the, a band can really uh, you know music is really important it, music can certainly define things about you and change things about your life and like like i was saying with uh um Marie Anderson from this band Reformed Whores that I talked to this season, she talks about Jonathan Larson who wrote Rent, but Jonathan Larson died before Rent premiered. Right, right. Jonathan Larson didn't do anything else. Um, so, like, but that was enough of an impetus to, like, kind of define what she wanted to do with the rest of her life, what she's done for the past 20 years. So... Yeah, and that's and that's kind of that aspect of it sort of being the was it a, a tabla rosa? Is that what's a what's the name of the what's that term oh. where they can like project their experiences and and kind of and form it into their own thing? Is kind is kind of what makes it interesting to me. And it's it, I mean, do you ever put any criteria on it, like? Other than you'd probably don't want any repeats, right? Which is oh yeah, yeah. That's and luckily I have not, I, I I've not gotten uh, anyone that's uh, wanted to talk about a band that we already talked about. Which it, it, that's the other problem with like I'll talk to someone and they're like, oh, I'd really like to be uh, if you do another season, I'd really like to talk to you. And it's like as it goes on, it you know it was more, one thing. Hard yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it was one thing when it was eight episodes, and now now with two seasons, it's going to be eighteen episodes, and it's like, oh no, nay. Someone's yeah. going to get stuck with prong eventually. You know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, well we prong. already we already talked about ministry, so if you want to talk about large, then... <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I mean, by the same token, it also maybe can make people like think harder about uh, the kind of thing that like what actually something means to them and why it means that to them. Well, and, and also like I, I'd be interested to see too, uh, maybe to, to go back to or, or do the same band again to see how one person's experience with the band yeah. differs from someone else's. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you could probably have someone else do something on Led Zeppelin and it would come out very different than that episode, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure if you season, got... <laughs> season three is just going to be people talking about uh, Nick Cave. Right, so, right. Uh... <laughs> well, and, and that's... I almost, when I was thinking about it, I, I had a moment of like, wow, I bet someone was really annoyed that I was the one that got Nick Cave and then I... You know, no, no, and see, oh, that's the thing. I can't believe he trashed on uh, Push the Sky Away, you know? <laughs> that's... Uh, there's... there's uh, so... Uh, yeah, when when I talked to George uh, about uh, Led Zeppelin, he was like, "Oh, maybe I shouldn't." I was like, "No, no, no, no." Yeah, you picked Led Zeppelin. We're talking Led Zeppelin. And then I talked to somebody. I talked to John Houston this season about someone, and he he was like, "Oh, I shouldn't pick this band." I was like, "Yes, you should. Yeah. If that's the band that you thought of, yes, we should t- totally talk about that band." So, 
he talks about Nonagon. It's weird. Oh, really? He, That's he awesome. Talk, yeah, <laughs> about how much he hates Nonagon. And, uh, it's, it's the first all-negative episode of all of them. Yes. It's, very, it's very strange. <laughs> he, it's, it's, it started him down a path to try and be a better band, and, uh, you know, it's that whole Nonagon's to modified beef that they talk it's about. These dicks. <laughs> pretty much 22 minutes of, of these dicks. <laughs> and of course, uh, you're no stranger to music yourself. Yeah, uh, you, of course you play in. For I would assume that most people listening are familiar, but if for not, uh, you play in the excellent band Maple Stave, which has been around for. I, I was thinking about it quite a while now. It's it's been. Uh, uh yeah. Now. Uh, is it? 10? Yeah. Now we. <laughs> no, we we've been around seventeen years. Oh my. God, yeah, that's and yeah. that's that's astounding. Uh, and of course, there's yep. Andy lived on the West Coast for a while, which I yep. know very well. Uh, and it's not that you've been uh, active at the same level during all of those years. There's there's been sort of like leaner years and yeah, yeah. But I like we were talking, yeah, yeah. And but we were talking about uh, like I I think I, I when Andy lived on the the other coast uh i i think we still managed to practice more than we have managed to practice in the last <laughs> six months um andy would fly back with his guitar and he right. would be back for like three or four days and we would we would practice and we would send songs back and forth but uh but yeah that's kind of uh yeah we haven't been able to we're we're planning to do something soon in a couple of weeks we're trying to work some stuff out so we can do something but, uh, well, it's almost like there's there's a different level of engagement when someone's like flying in, uh, yeah, <laughs> to, 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 yeah. To, to do it. It's like okay, well, I guess I guess we got to do this. Um, that's yeah. so wow, seventeen years because the first one, uh, the plane one, the one with mm-hmm. the incredibly long title, that's the one that uh, oh, the, October twenty ten, the like rain yeah. freezing and thawing between bricks year after year, this house will come down. That's how that's the first one that came to my attention. Oh, okay, but, yeah, we we. We started putting out EPs in 2005, I think, 2005 or 2006. So huh. we we put out three EPs, e, it cleverly titled EP one, EP two, and EP three, and then uh, and then for the full eponymous <laughs> three, <laughs> yeah. and then for for the for the full length, then we put on the the longest uh, mm. Akewood quote that we we could find and just to, uh, just to make up for all the times you didn't you kept yeah. it terse right <laughs> yeah exactly um and then uh yeah and then i guess 2016 was our uh the last the album came out so it's a long time to be a band and honestly i like the band and listen to them i didn't even realize it had been that long um but then also i guess it, I, was, I was kind of Internet was different then, and I was pretty busy myself. So I mean, I'm not gonna. But but I think we all agree it's it's been long enough, right? <laughs> so I mean, it's enough, <laughs> right? <laughs> you did it. I mean, you know, you did some stuff. Well, well, but here's the thing: like that one that came out. Um, I think he's called it five, right? The one, the, air, the airplane one. Uh, well, actually, yeah. the other one's airplane one too. So, uh, but I've got. Yeah, the they, 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 they. I think. I think they all have airplanes on them in some way, shape, or form. No, EP2 doesn't. No, EP1 doesn't either. 
not all of them have airplanes. There's enough Some airplanes, though, that it's like saying, yep. you know, the self-titled risk reward record. Yeah. So. <laughs> and that's a great record. I mean, it, it seems like that's a that's that's a record that does not. It both does and does not sound like a band that's been together that long. Uh, but then also, I, I, it seems like Maple Stave got more vocal, vocal, <laughs> vocal about vocals <laughs> uh, as time went on. And it, was that sort of a concerted planned activity or was that something that kind of seemed like a little more uh, of a natural, natural progression? Uh, because it, it seemed it seemed to me like it became a little more serious about vocals uh in mm-hmm. later days man that's just coming at from the perspective of a listener so i don't know if that's true or not yeah i i i don't know that it was intentional um i uh will sometimes we'll just we'll write things and like right now we have i don't know god it's uh, yeah this is, it's weird it's been forever since we practiced i i think we have like seven songs that aren't recorded something like that and there's just some of them that we start writing and i just write a part that's like oh that's a little too complicated for me to do anything with so i'm just not going to sing in this song right so uh, yeah so there wasn't like a concerted effort of like well this one will be the one with the vocals and this one it's just no, more no. from from a pragmatic standpoint of uh, what goes where yeah because i uh um I, I I'm not a I I I guess I'm an okay guitarist. So <laughs> um but uh I sometimes I'm not good enough to play and sing at the same time. I'm like, oh I'll do this cool noodly bit and it's like, oh well great, now I can only do that. So <laughs> You make noodles over vocals, huh? That's that's Yeah, the... yeah, yeah. Oh any time, yeah. <laughs> How did the instrumentation come to pass? And, and the reason I ask is because I'm always fascinated by uh, bands that have baritone. Uh, how how that came to be a thing that happens, and how that like sits together with everything, how the songwriting works, stuff along those lines. Um. So the uh, let me figure out the shortest way to tell us. Uh. So so originally it was I played guitar, Andy played bass. And then, uh, but Andy, Andy, Evan, and I were playing in a band called The Exchange, uh, and uh, with Evan playing guitar, Evan and Andy were playing guitar. I was playing bass, and our friend Tom was playing drums. And uh, and then we had uh, a, a friend of ours, Rob, uh, playing bass and Maple Stave before Andy was part of it. Basically, Rob dropped off, Tom dropped out of The Exchange. We decided, oh, we'll just merge it into maple stave and uh and then so uh i was playing guitar andy was playing bass evan's playing drums but andy wanted to start playing some guitar and so he uh started just he has a rickenbacker so he was uh he started writing some guitar parts and so it would be two guitars and drums uh and then uh for his birthday one year we had seen that they had one of those uh epiphone like goth style uh matte black uh baritone guitars at guitar center and so we uh we got that for him and so that helped out with the low end and then he ordered an electrical and after he got that and i played it i was like 
Oh, uh, I I've won an electrical, <laughs> so and I I've been switching off between guitar and using his old baritone. Yeah. So it it just sort of ended up like yeah I think. Uh, Originally, the idea was that I would switch back and forth, and then once I got my electrical baritone, it's like no, I, I don't really need anything else. Yeah, did so. you did you did you find that it was like well, this is this is the one I like to play. This it was yeah. more okay. I mean, I, hey, you're preaching to the choir on this one, buddy. I, I, I get yeah. it. Uh, so it was more just okay. So that's interesting. So, but the idea was you would kind of go back and forth originally and then was sort of like eh will I yeah like I I uh when when I was uh the bands I was in in high school and college uh I when I started playing music uh I was really into sonic youth and so the guitars would be in different tunings and that kind of carried all the way through to maple stave and so uh, were you, I would were you to... like, you know what I would love is to have more upkeep for all of these guitars? And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> more things yeah, to it's... <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, the uh, the input on this one's a little messed up, and then <laughs> the pickup on this one's kind of messed up. And so, so we you can just make have... this more complicated? Yeah. That would be awesome. Thank you. Yeah, so it's like, Sorry, yeah. Ahead. Oh, no, no, no. So, yeah, when I could just kind of do everything I wanted on one guitar... Then it's like, oh, okay, cool. I I don't need to switch anymore. Uh, it takes less time when we're on stage. Don't have to like end a song and put down a guitar, pick up another guitar, tune that guitar because you know these aren't top of the line guitars that I'm right. buying, so they're all going out of tune. Um, like you look so, at them funny and it drops out of tune. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The the funny enough, the Sam Ash hollow body that I have. Uh, doesn't uh keep tune very well so uh yeah. when did you start in with the i don't even know how you describe it but the the guitar strap the waist strap situation oh um i i that was a couple of years ago i <laughs> i had done that like you know it's it, like i had seen shellac play several times and i knew that uh steve albini did that and I had just I had done it a couple times over the years, just on a lark, just to see how it worked out. And uh, my uh, right shoulder is kind of messed up, so um, anything I can do to like try and take some of the weight off yeah, yeah. Uh, feels better. So I did that, and uh, and I, I got out of practice or whatever, and was like, oh, uh, I actually I'm not in pain. So let me try this again. And, uh, and then I found that, uh, the, it's it, it, one of the, the great things about it that I hadn't even thought about beforehand was that when the guitar is like strapped to you like that, the, the, like the, the guitar, you always know where it is. Yeah. So the, like getting to the third fret, I, I, I know where the third fret is. It's not like the third fret's going to be like down oh, by my knee. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, it's it, like everything's always right there. So it actually makes it easier to play the guitar. So, and yeah, if I can find an easier way to do anything, apparently that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, trust me, buddy. It's better than doing it the other way around. I mean, that's, that's from experience. So when you're. 
so what, what was your what was your path to playing in the first place? What 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 got you playing music in the first place? What got you playing guitar? And and, uh, and what did that path look like towards playing in bands? I uh, I I wanted to be in bands back when I was in middle school, and that that was like I think right around when uh, like uh, yeah, so that was like early nineties, like ninety one, ninety two, and. Then uh, my my parents had bought me a Harmony classical guitar. I tried to learn how to use that uh, on my own. Didn't I couldn't even figure out where it said like I was supposed to play on certain frets, and so I thought you had to play on the physical frets. And I was like, <laughs> oh, this sounds terrible. Uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not cut out for this at all. This doesn't sound yeah. good. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, this Stone Temple Pilots song is not working out. Um, so uh, when I got to high school, I, I'm, I met this guy Carlton, who uh, he was he was into Sonic Youth, and uh, we started talking. We decided we'll be in a band, and but we we knew like I couldn't just be the singer. I was like, well, I want to learn how to play guitar. So uh, Christmas in '94, my parents bought. Uh, bought me and my brother electric guitars and got us uh, guitar lessons. So uh, I kind of I was <laughs> I was going to guitar lessons with the, this guy John Firesheets, who was a, a, a blues jazz <laughs> That's musician. A tough name. <laughs> and That's awesome. he, I, I I know that he won't hear this, but man, that that dude was such a badass. And he like I go in, he's got. Uh, He's got long hair pulled back in a ponytail, and he has just sleeves of tattoos. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he was the coolest dude. And I would go, I would show up to to uh, the lesson, and he's like, "Well, what do you want to talk about today?" And I'm like, ah, "You know, I'm kind of sad about my girlfriend." And he's like, "Let's talk about girls." <laughs> I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> and he's like, "And I'm gonna send you home with some scales, okay?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay. I mean, did that inform the lesson? Did that inform? Well, I'm gonna teach you some blues chords so that you can express your feelings. Like, what? I think I think he kind of felt like if he pushed me too hard, then I just wasn't gonna learn anything. And gotcha. so he's like, "Let let me let me kind of try and talk to you on your level, and then we'll, uh, you know, you when you leave, you'll feel like like, oh, hey, okay, yeah, sure, <laughs> right, exactly." Um, so. Uh, so yeah, so it then so I was learning like the like all the like more of the theory stuff from uh, from him, but then I would go to band practice, and it's like oh let's tune our guitars to G G D D B B and learn how to play sugarcane and you know so I was like learning how to play guitar in practice or in uh, and lessons, but then like learning a totally different approach uh in band practice so uh so yeah that was kind of it i just wanted to uh, like uh, uh, I, I wanted to be in a band like sonic youth for a while mm-hmm. and then uh um then of course got into like sebado and got it by voices and uh all of those things sort of informed the uh the idea of uh oh songs don't need solos at all um right. and and as I got more into Guided by Voices, it was like they don't even need like a second verse. So uh, <laughs> right, it changes um, the idea of what you think of as a song when you hear a band right. like that, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's like, well, that's that's the best thing I've ever heard, and it just makes me want to hear the whole record over again. So you know, why, yeah, why it, well, it, and that was the weird thing it was like this weird like sort of roller coaster ride of like 
you know, going to one extreme with a band like Guided by Voices, where it's a 30 second, you know, verse chorus in and out song, uh, and then going all the way to uh, something like Palvo, and uh, and I got a, I really got into Juno 44, yeah. and totally different, like seven minute songs with all these intricate parts, and uh, um, and then I think that that's a, like eventually like in there was when I discovered Silkworm, and I I was like, oh, uh, I this is a band that I can never be, but mm. this this is to me this is the quintessential like rock band and this is like if i it, like if i was plucked out of the 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 time stream or something and and they're like well uh you you get to be in one band and and you <laughs> you, you, you can't jump all over the map you can't like write a guided by voices song and then a Polvo song. What are you gonna do? It's like no, I'm just gonna go for Silkworm. Let, let me let me do that. It's a very specific act of chrono terrorism, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. People need to watch out for that. Yeah, it's, it's good to be prepared. Have your answer prepared. <laughs> so, were you mentioned Polvo? Were you keenly aware of things that were that were happening locally that were uh, that were? Yeah, that's. You? That's a, I, um, I would go over to, I, I grew up mostly in Greensboro, which is a, about an hour or so away from uh, Chapel Hill. So I would uh, go over to Chapel Hill once I was able to drive and once my friends had driver's license, uh, we'd go over to shows all the time and uh, usually at uh, Cat's Cradle and uh uh, so yeah, I, I would get to see, um, I, I, a lot of the bands, the weird part was, is that the, uh, by the time I got into Palvo was around when, uh, it was actually when Shapes came out because they, mm. I, the f- first thing I heard was Enemy Insects on the radio, uh, when it was like this, this thing just came into the office. It's, yeah, uh, this new like Palvo album. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, um, drums. Actually, if yep. I, yep. Yep. Um, rock so yeah, post rock. That's a good. That's a good record. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I feel like that's a underappreciated record, but uh, but it, but so they they were sort of on their way out, and uh, and I had also gotten into Archers, but Archers were uh, not quite as active, mm. and uh, um, it was it was in this in between time uh, of. Uh, um, all the nation's airports and white trash heroes. And so I didn't like, I could go see super chunk because super chunk were, you know, they, they were round and doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <active. laughs> but, but the, you know, archers and Palvo, not so much. So the only time that, uh, I got to see archers and Palvo were at their last shows, which I think were 98, 99. Um, so, yeah, uh, yeah. Palvo was when I, right, I think, right before I graduated high school, and then uh, Archers was uh, after I'd uh, gone to college. But uh, so yeah, the only time that I got to see them, I got to see the last two Palvo shows and the last two Archers shows. Oh man! So well, I guess at least you got to see them. Uh... Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I, you know, I got to round out the Archers shows talking to Eric Bachman and Matt. And, yeah. Um, so that, you know, that was pretty cool. But 
So what what were your what were your takeaways from those bands and what did, what did you learn from them or what what inspired you uh, with those bands specifically? Uh, well, I think it I it was probably just the general uh, I don't know like I through middle school when I started getting into music uh, I think like I was like a lot of kids that you know I at that time or in the very beginning of the nineties like. I didn't totally get into stuff like, uh, you know, like the hair metal stuff or whatever coming out of the eighties, but I really got into, uh, Guns N' Roses, Use Your Illusion one and two. Uh, and so when I started like deciding, Oh, uh, I want to be in a band like that, that was the first thing that mm. uh, kind of hit me. And, uh, but then right behind that was, the uh well it was like nirvana and pearl jam uh and so it was like this it, i don't it, it feels like a very interesting time for me because yeah. like i there there was like a stretch of and i might mess up the chronology here but there was a stretch of like one to two years where it's like i've got uh guns and roses paula abdul <laughs> Uh, the the new the new Aerosmith record, right, right. Uh, the uh, is that that be Eddie yeah. Furlong era Aerosmith? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, Richard Marx's Rush Street, but I've also got like Pearl Jam Ten, and I've got the Lithium single, yeah. and so I've just like got this like I don't know, and and of course like the you know the best stuff of that kind of rose to the top, and then you know it's it's i mean it's the the sort of standard thing where it's like oh okay hey look nirvana's on saturday night live oh hey he's wearing a beat happening shirt what's beat happening yeah, oh they're on yeah. k records oh okay and then you know i'm digging through my junk drawer to get enough change to order stuff from <laughs> the uh sub pop catalog which i remembered a couple of weeks ago that i was talking to someone and remembered that uh i i had uh I ordered away for the sub pop catalog, got it, and my my grandmother helped me roll a bunch of uh, change that I had, so oh, oh, uh, like, I could like the quarter rolls, and yeah, yeah, rolls yeah. and stuff. Yeah, ah, yeah. And uh, she's like, "If we'll do this, and then I'll take it over. We'll exchange it, and you can order away stuff from the sub pop catalog." Please tell and me so it's cat or- butt. No, no, no. It, it's better. Uh, <laughs> okay. I. Uh, I, I went through and like I I I got like a couple T-shirts and stuff and uh, uh, and Sub Pop 200, but then at the very end, it, she was like, oh, "Okay, well you've got like I think whatever ten or twelve bucks left," uh, and so of course you know I got to spend that on something, yeah. and so I went through <laughs> and I was like, "Oh." Uh, the only thing it looks like I can afford is this dwarf CD. And so I had to sit there when I'm like, well, whatever, t- 12 or 13 with my grandmother, like filling out, physically filling out the sub pop form where I'm like, yeah, it says dwarves, blood, guts, <laughs> and pussy. And we, and she was like, okay. And we put it in an envelope and mailed it. And, yeah. It's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> that, that, that's like that's like almost like uh, akin to being in the room with a parent when like a sex scene comes on with a, yes, a movie yeah. or something where it's like, uh Yeah. Uh 
Uh, what's going to happen when we get to this word? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, killer dwarves record, though. I mean, that's probably that's probably the best dwarf record, I think. 13 minutes and 13 seconds. Mm-hmm. My, uh, my one and only time I saw dwarves with red ants, they took 20 minutes to come out, <laughs> played the first three or four songs without guitar. He Who Cannot Be Named just wasn't on stage. <laughs> then he who cannot be named kind of wandered out, plugged his guitar in, you know, starts playing. They get through like you know two songs, got into a fight on stage, and left. Yep. And it was the whole thing was like maybe eleven minutes, and they were headlining this this show too, and people were <laughs> furious. They were especially because it was like it was uh the Trocadero, and they did this thing where they just put like five bands on the bill, like it was just like Ugh. ridiculous. So people like waited all night to see them and. Yeah, he who cannot be named was even out there for like half of the set, and then like yeah, they got into a fight and, and you know who to, was it real or theatrics? Who knows? At the time, I was pissed, but as I was on my hour and a half bus ride home, I was like, you know what? That might have been awesome. Now that I think about it, and like that's where I was sort of, <laughs> sort of like, oh, maybe there's more to it. Maybe they're not because I was like, oh, those dicks. I was like, oh, maybe they're like, maybe that's a thing that they do. Yeah. Like maybe they're like being like jokers about this or something. I don't know. And I started thinking about it. And anyway, that's a story about the dwarves. Uh, how'd you start screen printing? Uh, I started or screen when, printing. When and how? Like when? When? when what's, what started yeah. that? Uh, I uh, when I started like during uh, the times that I would go down to Cat's Cradle uh, in Carborough. Um, I say Chapel Hill, but it's it, it Cat's Cradle is in Carborough. Uh, um, only true heads will know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I went down and, uh, and I'd known, uh, through the art rock catalog, I'd seen stuff by, uh, Kozik and, uh, Art Chantry. And, uh, then like going to the cradle, I, uh, learned about Ron Liberty, uh, and, uh, who's from the band Pipe and, uh, Casey Burns. They, they both did, uh, art for uh for the cradle and i met casey and uh got he gave me one of his prints for the last polvo show and uh yeah um and so uh i kind of decided like oh okay this is what i want to do like i i see all this work and and it's really cool and i i i think it's something that i'm really interested in so i went to college uh uh, sat down the at the orientation session in the art department because I decided I'll be an art major. Uh, they went around the room, asked, hey, what does everybody like to do or want to do? And people are like, oh, I want to do clays. I, I want to do oils, you know, whatever. And I'm the last one. And uh, I said, I, I want to make uh, posters for bands. Mm. And uh, Was it like the, a record uh, scratch? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it was the 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 head of the department was yeah, the the head of the department was uh, the one hosting the the, the uh, orientation, and she uh, she goes, "Oh, okay, so you're undecided," and uh, it's like, oh, "Okay," um, but I, I it seems like like uh, you, you know. Uh, whatever this person over here like just just wants to do painting like i i i'm the one that says like this is specifically what i want to do but but okay um like it's not considered serious so therefore yeah 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 uh so i i went through college kind of got 
out of art. Um, and then on this also, like, I, uh, yep, this is good. I'm I'm crossing my arms. Yeah, but, uh, for the listening uh, audience, Chris is, is yeah, crossing yeah. his arms. Uh, Jesus. Uh, this this actually crosses over with the, the comics thing that I do now. Um, the I'd sort of gotten out of art because I I decided I'll be an art minor. I'll get an English. I'll be an English major instead. And I I did some flyers for when we would play shows in college. But then my last semester there, or the my next to last semester. My favorite professor, this guy Craig Fisher, who still teaches at Appalachian State, he uh, told me, uh, you know, in the spring I'm going to do a graphic novels class, uh, wow. and and wow. I I was like, oh well, I'm actually supposed to like if I if I want to, I can graduate early, uh, but if I much to uh, my parents' displeasure. If I just <laughs> take the bare minimum of classes across two right, right. Classes, then I can take this graphic novels You're class. You're not necessarily majoring in college, but uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're not, ex- so, uh, not exactly doing the most cost-effective route either. Yeah, yeah, no, because I, I when I when I moved out and went to college, I went to uh, first summer session came. I was like, oh, I'm going to summer session, and so I just I went to school from '98 through 2002 just taking summer sessions and taking like not a full course load every semester or whatever. But, um, but anyway, so like, uh, so yeah, I took, uh, the graphic novels course and through that learned uh, about, uh, like Jaime Hernandez, uh, who uh, does love and rockets and, uh, uh, Dan Klaus, uh, who did ghost world and, um, who, who used to live over the hill from me in Oakland. Really? And, I was always like, he does not seem like the kind of guy that would appreciate me, like, even speaking to him at all. Yeah. (laughs) If you just walked up and were like, hey. No, no. It's it's, it's better or worse than that, I guess. Because what I would do is I was walking up the hill and he was walking down the hill. And I just, like, was looking at him and kind of gave him, like, a nod where it's like, I know who you are. And I smiled, <laughs> and he, just, he looked really disturbed. But, <laughs> but knowing Dan Klaus, I, I was like, I bet so many people just pester this guy oh, yeah. like a thousand percent of the time, and he just is a dude that seems to enjoy being anonymous. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I, I never have had – that's the first time I've actually said that story aloud, so I hope you don't mind me interrupting to tell that story about how I did oh, not no, talk no. to Dan Klaus, but I thought you might appreciate <laughs> it. Um, yeah. um, no, so, so yeah, it's so just – through finding out about these artists that I started to, uh, through the graphic novels course, um, I, uh, started doing more art again. And because I'd sort of, like, I, I wasn't, I was doing like collage stuff, but I wasn't drawing a whole lot. And then for this class, we actually had to draw. Uh, so I, I started drawing more and then deciding like, Oh, I want to make comics. And then, using uh, more artwork to for, for the posters that I was making for the shows. And then once I got out of college, uh, uh, I, I applied for a Zarek grant uh, to, uh, they give you, they would give you $5,000 if you got it mm. to uh, put out, to self-publish your own book. Oh, wow. Okay, and, cool. Yeah. It was a s- s- co-founded by uh, Peter Laird who from the Ninja Turtles yeah, fame. Yeah, um, I, uh, I didn't get the Zarek grant. Uh, and, uh, and so, uh, when I got the rejection letter, uh, and was working as a co-manager at Books A Million 
and was really unhappy. Like I, I remember getting it and just like lighting a cigarette and opening a beer and then just like putting it, putting the rejection letter on my refrigerator just so I could see it every day. Like that's how bad you are. <laughs> which, wow. which is Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it it stayed there for a long time. Well, Uh, I mean, to be to be fair, though, was it a mutant animal book? Because maybe it it was that. Yeah, yeah, it was. uh, Yeah, Uh, there's there's where you messed up. He's got to be a mutant animal. You see, we only Um, take comics what have mutant animals in them. Both guys, mutants and animals. But oh no! uh, But then, like. Evan, our, our drummers, like, uh, 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 no, I believe they were married at this point. Uh, Nicole, um, and Evan's wife, uh, she let me know that there was an internship uh, at a small club in Chapel Hill. They needed someone to design flyers for them. So I started doing that, doing that five nights a week, and then, uh, or for five shows a week. And then after like nine months, I stopped doing that. A guy from another club contacts me, says, hey, do you want to do posters for my club? I started to do posters for them, but then, like, one of the first ones was uh, a show presented by Cat's Cradle, which is ultimately who I wanted to do posters for. And uh, the uh, Frank Heath, who runs Cat's Cradle, met me at that show and said, hey, if you want to do any other posters for us, let me know. And, uh, And so now I've done... Uh, I lost track, but I've done between 500 and 1,000 posters for Cat's Cradle uh, since, uh, I think, 2004. Uh, Screen printed ones. Yeah, yeah. And and that's, I mean, it's a heroic body of work. And and so that's something that's, since Cat's Cradle was kind of formative for you musically, you know, coming around to you know, being a part of it and, and being like mm-hmm. almost like the, you know, the visual identity, identity, I almost said identitarian, but that wouldn't be right. Of the, <laughs> of the place, you know, is that something where like, did you feel that that was an accomplishment? Did, that, was that something where you're like, Oh, that's good. That's, I'm, that's a thing. It's that's... sort of, it's a, it's a weird thing because it's like, I, uh, I don't know. I, I, I tend to not like to take credit for things so it's a uh um i, I don't know it, like I'm, I'm doing stuff in service of the club and of the bands of the shows and so i like ha- half the time i i don't put you know who it's by or anything like you know posters by or anything like that just because i i just kind of don't think to like mm. oh who, who would care it you know it's a show it's a cursive show or you know it's a, of montreal like and which which the thing is is that i've i've learned from people over the years people do care people, do, so, people absolutely do care 100 yeah. percent of the time uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh so uh <laughs> so yeah no it's I'm glad uh, you said it because i was about to, yeah. to read the riot act on that i was like well and and the thing is i i know that i care when it's other people but well, when it's myself yeah and, and, um, and, I, get, and I get that mindset because the, the mindset is is you're trying to be an ensemble player. You're not trying to like make right. it about you. You're not trying yeah. to say that like you know, the art that you created is more important than the thing that's uh, being celebrated or advertised right. uh, in that situation. And I get it, but but it is also part of the you know it is part of the ensemble. It's part of the the overall uh, the overall picture. It's part of the ecosystem. 
And yeah. especially, I, th- I think that has... Well, it's been interesting seeing the evolution of rock posters and poster art yeah. as a thing uh, over the past couple decades. Because I feel like it's viewed differently now than it used to be. And I, I feel like it's more difficult for someone to be like a superstar in that genre now, a la like a Kozik or something along those lines. Yeah. But by the same token, it's it can be appreciated by a wider audience as well. It's, it's almost mm-hmm. like the same thing that's happened with music, right? Like it, it's more difficult to, you know, you're not going to ever have a, another next Nirvana because it's not going to be able to hit in that same way. Right. But you can have people, you know, you can release something that you recorded on your phone and like kids in Argentina can be listening to it tomorrow. Well, and, and so that's, that's the kind of weird thing about, so, um, Oh, sorry. I got into, Oh no, 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 no. I I realized that I, I skipped over the, yeah. So I decided that I wanted to do screen printing, learned how to, uh, I took a quick class and then, uh, I got, uh, sat with Ron Liberty one day and learned how to code a screen and that sort of thing. And then just started doing it on my own and doing it hit or miss. And, uh, uh, in like my, uh, my former, uh, brother-in-law's garage. And then, uh, um, and my, it, like, as I moved from place to place, uh, then just in a room in my house. Um, but, but back to the being in an ensemble, player that that's so that's this weird thing where i like so i was a production manager at a newspaper for uh seven and a half years and i kind of like the idea of well you know you go in every week and you need to get a thing done by two o'clock on tuesday regardless of whatever else is going on yeah, it needs to get done that's 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 your you're the end point of the Right. Of and, the task is that it needs to be done by this time and there's a finish line for it. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if I do a cover this week or someone else does a cover this week, if I do a spot illustration, it doesn't matter. Like that needs to be done. And so like, I, I'm okay with that. I'm totally cool with that. Now in my current job working with the Splinter Group over in Carborough, like one of the, the cool things that I got to do, which still hasn't totally sunk in was this, there's this, benefit compilation of oh, yeah, uh of course yeah that, that's uh, yeah. fairly recent too yeah 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 for uh yeah it's a uh, 25 bands uh like tiff Merritt, super chunk uh southern culture on the skids uh mountain goats doing uh these covers and uh and it's uh, all the benefit cat's cradle and i found out that like last week or the week before that 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 album that i did the cover art for through work that that ended up as number one on the compilation yeah. billboard chart. It's charted. Which, <laughs> yeah. Which it, it was like, Oh, well that's a weird thing. But, but I think like, I wonder if there's so a podcast I'm, about billboard called who charted probably. Yes. Actually, actually there, I do know that there is. Yes, is there yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or there was at least. Yeah. Um, but, but so <laughs> I, I, I like that. And I'm, I'm, I, I, I feel like I'm more comfortable with doing that with, with being part of a, team being part of an ensemble and being able to sort of step back or kind of blend in to the scenery. But the, I am realizing more and more as I've like, especially now that, you know, I haven't made a gig poster in whatever, six months or so. And I've been doing more with my comics is that that is something that I have to be more out in front of. And I have to like try and sell myself, which 
I, I have uh, 20 years of experience of stepping back and not being and, and that not, guy. And, yeah, specifically <laughs> so. not doing it. And that's something that that's uh, also, that's also a genre of art that more than a lot of others, it favors the familiar name. Mm-hmm. And it favors the the familiarity. I mean, there, there's a reason why, you know, when people think of comics, they they think of the, the superhero stuff. These you know these yeah. characters that were made you know generations ago and uh, you know still endure. But by the same token, you know, there, there's a, a world of other comics that have nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the you know there is a legitimate market for. But even then, there's sort of like just like there's the, the superstars of indie rock or whatever. There's like the superstars of like the indie comic world. Yeah. And when you're doing something unique and different, uh, I mean, is it an analog to music? Like, I mean, I because I, I, I don't know. Cause I, I like the comics. I think they're great. I think they're awesome. But you know, I'm just not steeped in that world anymore. Yeah. It's, so I, it, I, don't, I don't know if it does, is there an analog to it to like what's happening with music? Is it just, you know, uh, is, is the democratization of, of order fulfillment like direct from artists, like something that has been good and different? Like what? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, I, I guess because, uh, I'm talking about the days of even like fantagraphics and things along those lines. Right. Like where it's like, you have yeah. like, you know, sort of like the matador of comic books. Right, yeah, yeah, and and that's the thing is that those it it feels like like well like with everything like you were saying with with bands and uh, with poster art and all that like it feels like the way that things have worked out is that uh, you know it's expanded so much there there's uh, there's so many outlets right now for uh, for uh, for artists for for comics but the um, there's a lot of them know, too. It, <laughs> there's, yeah, there's yeah, just yeah. A lot. Yeah, it's it. It just feels like it, it's it's a little tougher to to get your name out there. So, like, I'm friends with a lot of people that uh, that that are part of the comics industry in one way or another. Whether it be that they're they're actually published artists or, or professionally published artists, like through a uh, through a label or through a comics group. Um, or they publish stuff themselves, right. and uh, and it's like I, I guess because I've you know I've been in a band for so long, and I've uh, been doing posters for as long as I have that I I guess like I I make my books, and I yes would I would I like to have something I'd, I I've done be sure. published by Fanographics <laughs> or Drawn Quarterly yeah, or yeah. Image, like yes. Absolutely, please. Yeah. Uh, like, let's do it. Take okay, the money. great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Someone um, asks if you're a god, but, you say yes. Yeah, um, but but at the same time, I I also like if it costs a couple hundred bucks for me to if if it's a couple hundred bucks between I don't put out a book or I put out a book and I I'm happy to put out the book and I don't sell that many. Like I'm cool just like going in for a couple hundred just to to get it out there so that you know. I because I it, like ultimately I know that like through art through talking to people about like like I've talked to you about like uh, you know our our struggles with depression and stuff like that yeah. like a lot of my work has to deal with that to to just get more stuff out there 
because it it it's not for everybody, but it's probably for somebody. It, it's for the people that it's for, and it allows you to move forward uh, at, at the same time, while, while not like discounting the the work itself, but uh, have it be like I always think of of the representation of space time and Donnie Darko, where it, no. <laughs> where it like trails behind it, yeah. and. Uh, yeah, I mean, because it's. I mean, I guess we're dancing around it because there's there's some heavy topics that that yeah. are that are illustrated and told in these stories. And you know, if you're if you're someone that only knows from Spider Man or something, and you yeah, you <laughs> to pick it up, yeah. you'd be like, "What the Sam Hill am I reading?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not a yeah. It's a a little less action, more. Uh, When's the Batman more... come in? <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, a, a little more uh, exploring my uh, issues with bipolar depression. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, Which, <laughs> you know, it's like Spider-Man just, if if he doesn't swing around or yeah, do anything, but, and he's just sad all the time. But, but just, yeah, but just the parts where he's feeling really down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's he's just sitting in his room, going, you know, Uncle Ben was right. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just those scenes all the time. He goes uh, out and he's like, "Why should I try to swing from anything?" Yeah, <laughs> why swing at all? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's <sighs> the topics are heavy. Like it, it, it's it's, but they're real. Like they're coming out from a very real place, and you know, it, it's it 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 works because the the art's good. Uh, you know, and it's worth reading. But it's definitely, you know, it's not it's not light fare. Yeah. And uh, what, what? So when you're dredging that up, like, is that something that comes easy? Is that something that you kind of labor over, like a bit of column A, bit of column B? Like, what's? Yeah, it's like, so like the the most recent book that I did is this book called Artifact, and yeah. it's about yeah. the the idea was that uh, it's an artist uh, who uh, can go inside their the screen prints that they make. Um, which those words coming out of my face, it feels uh, like, wow, that's a little on the nose. But well, I mean, anyway. Aha, uh-huh, take on me. You know, it's like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes, exactly. That's, it's basically that's like where take I. On me. Yeah, it's that, really... Yes. Yeah, if you've seen that video, then you, you, you know the story. It's, it's basically um, like, you don't need to know anything else. Just buy it. That, yeah. That's what it's about. <laughs> But instead, the you know the the woman sitting in the booth, she's like, "Should I really go? No, I'm depressed." And yeah. then you know, she, uh, um, no. So so yeah, it started with that. That it was the idea was that uh, the that this person they, they could go into their prints, and but from there, I thought more about like, well, what are what what kind of comes from that? Why would someone want to be able to do that. that escape yeah right and and what does that mean when when someone does want that escape or feels like they need that escape and and then also exploring with myself like well if i could change it's something about my life what, because there's things that i wish for in my life but is it something that i really want and uh so so yeah i was just trying to to explore that and then the story came pretty easily from there so 
Yeah, and I think there's kind of, you know, th- there's something of a through line through a lot of it that there's sort of a, you know, ennui is not the correct word, but there, there's sort of like a resting, resigned sadness uh, mm-hmm. uh, through a lot of the work that it's definitely, you know, it seems like it's coming from an authoritative place, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do, do you find that, and you know, some it's, it's not all explicitly like, Hey guys, here's the thing, you know, like they, they oh, yeah. you got the one with the with the the girl and the robot and uh, yeah. things along those lines, but it, it does seem like it's a bit of a through line through a lot of the graphic novels that you know, it, is it just like that's what comes out or did you have like an idea of wanting to tell these kinds of stories or what how did that I, Some of it's uh just to so I've got the uh um I did a three graphic novel series low soft shoulder which dealt a little more directly with dealing or trying to process my uh (laughs) yeah my uh bipolar uh stuff and uh and and so in like i i went through uh and a a very abrupt uh breakup a couple years ago which sent me down a very dark path and so and then the good part was that like so the oh yeah hey, wait here's where the the crossing arms thing comes back that uh, it was uh, through watching stuff like the cartoonist kayfabe uh, YouTube channel uh, with these artists Ed Pisker and Jim Rugg that uh, I they they started exploring different types of comics and I uh, I, I realized like oh wait I could I could make comics to kind of try and process this stuff and so so it was kind of doing that the low soft shoulder was trying to process a lot of that the artifact is processing some like lingering feelings or uh, other things that i've thought as a result but then i've also got another whole series uh that i started called pilot uh that's about a uh a skeleton and uh his uh his talking triceratops and they're wandering what seems to be a post-apocalyptic landscape and trying to navigate that. And that's been more of a, like, okay, I can do the really heavy stuff, but then I can go back over to pilot and I can have, you know, pilot, the the pilot series can have some jokes. And, hey, y'all, it isn't a bummer yeah. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, I try to, like, balance it out as much as I can, so... We kind of we kind of walked past it, but we when you think back to that Peter Laird letter, I mean, you said you put it in the refrigerator and to kind of focus on it. Like, <laughs> do you feel like you're you're doing the work that you want to do? Do you can you enjoy what success that you've uh, carved out for yourself? Because for me, it seems like you you've someone that not only has their own voice, but you have an articulate vision. You know damn well that it's going to be whoever. Uh, it's for, and you're not too tied up in any of like the nonsense that comes with putting things out there as pearls before swine. That said, this is the world we live in. It's a capitalistic world. Mm-hmm. Things are considered objective successes or failures based on uh, capitalistic metrics, things along those lines. How much do you think about literally any of that uh, in in terms of of your of your art, and and then also bring it around to in terms of your music, just. Every, everything else just just all around so the so so starting with the music 
the the music since that is not on me that's a you know that's a uh a sack of potatoes that you know three of us are carrying uh someone call it an albatross someone w- might call it uh i don't know uh it, it sack of potatoes is good because potatoes are actually very useful as a food stuff so yes but you so gotta, there you, you go yeah put some effort into it so <laughs> um but but that's something that's carried by the three of us and i think we sort of we 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 kind of came to a decision years ago that we we're we're happy doing what we're doing uh we're likely never going to be in a hummer ad uh but uh that's okay and we're okay with that because we're we're happy playing shows when we can play shows getting to see our friends getting to play shows with our friends getting to put out records we we all three of us have jobs and we can afford to put out a record every couple of years if we have to do it ourselves. Uh, so that like, we're, we're okay with that in terms of my art and doing comics and stuff. Um, it on my, because like I'm medicated and stuff, you know, but, uh, on my bad days, yeah, it'll kind of, uh, I'll think about like, well, you know, I didn't sell that many books or I didn't sell this or, you know, if I go to a convention and I don't have a good day, then it's like, oh, well, you know, uh, and, and that'll kind of weigh heavy on me. Um, but, uh, on, and I, I don't have a, as many like bad days anymore. Surprisingly, I, like through this whole pandemic thing, I've had relatively few like bad days uh, quote unquote. Um, but, uh, but yeah, on the good days, I think about like, well, like we talked about that I'm getting it out there and I know that like when I can, when I get it into someone's hand, uh, like, uh, one of my books into someone's hands and they reach out to me and they're like, I'm really glad that you wrote this, uh, because this is something that I feel. And, and it's like, Oh, cool. Well, you know what? I, the 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 cost of that book just got erased for me. <laughs> like you, you've I, expressed I'm, the inexpressible to somebody and right. made a connection. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And and I know that that's not going to happen all the time or anything like that. Um. But uh. But it's it's worth it to me right now. You know to uh, you know coming from a place where I can't afford to to put the books out and to uh, to continue doing it. You know. I, I'm I'm happy to uh, to keep that up, and I I mean you know I also I haven't had like I, I guess you know in terms of the capitalist nature of stuff I, I haven't been a success, but I also realized that uh, I've I let's see I started uh, making stuff the the first thing that I did was I made a zine for the comic the Raleigh Comic Con in March of twenty nineteen. Uh and uh since then I have made uh including many comics that I've made with my son, I have made uh fourteen zines and graphic novels since then. Uh so yeah, like five full graphic novels and then several zines and several mini comics. Like that's that you know, that's a uh, year and a half. Yeah, so, so suck it, uh, Peter Laird. 
What have you done lately? <laughs> well, and and that's the thing too is that that the like I was I was telling uh, my my friend uh, the other day that I feel like that, that that professor that I took the graphic novels class with that uh, I was telling him that I find like I I've been doing screen printing for so long I've been doing posters and uh, and despite that like I I finally feel like with doing the comics I'm doing what I was supposed to be doing mm. and mm. and so that's nice. uh, yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean you in know, nonsensical I, I, world when things make sense, that's a nice thing, you know. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it, it would have been nice if, like, I felt that way when, I, like, Adrian Tomina was doing like Optic Nerve back yeah. twenty years ago. Yeah. Like, you know, that it would have been nice if that he, if it hit back then instead of when I was forty. But you know, it's okay. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> wish in one hand, and poop in the yeah, other. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I I wonder, uh, real quick, can you speak a little bit about the PRF and, and your path into it? Uh, that's how I know you. A lot of people that listen to the show are familiar with it, uh, especially some mm-hmm. of the newer listeners are less so. So if you could maybe just articulate your path into it, uh, describe the, that community, uh, so forth, that would be lovely. Mm-hmm. I think is is terrorist group the no designated I think it's it's on a, a watch list uh, <laughs> right. uh, no the uh, yeah I I Dad found out from that. a cult recently so <laughs> um, no I, I found out about the PRF because uh, Evan uh, our drummer had uh, gone to. Uh, uh, or he he had uh, been on the uh, the electrical audio forum and found out about the barbecue the 20, 2009 barbecue, and after he found out about that he came to practice and he said hey so uh, we're gonna do this thing next year uh, I'm just letting you know in advance this is going to happen and uh, I was like <laughs> okay cool uh, so we uh, <laughs> we. It, it, is, it was like, phrased like that like here's a thing that's going to happen and I'm letting yeah. you know about it. okay alright cool and and, uh, and so we in that time we got on the forum we started to see what was going on we uh, brought a pork shoulder up from uh, from North Carolina uh, and the thing was it, it, it's one of those um, uh, I'm gonna try not to get emotional. It was it was a turning point. I was uh, at that point, like I I got married in uh, 2005. Uh, my son Seamus was born in 2008, um, and shortly thereafter, I, I, I like I got separated and divorced. Uh, so the first barbecue we go to is in 2010. And, uh, and I was in this really weird period where like things didn't feel like I felt like I had done everything that I wanted to do. And then it all just kind of fell apart. Hmm. And, uh, um, so, uh, so pretty much I, I walked into the, the, you know, what we referred to as drug church and it was a room full of people that didn't know who I was, but wanted to meet me. And uh, and have like very quickly grew into people that I could say that uh, I, I love uh, with all my heart, and uh, um, and it was it was really weird to kind of come into that 
that uh, <laughs> like I don't know. Uh, yeah, to to just most encounter surprises that. are not pleasant. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> um, well, and and that's the thing is that like there's you know and it was just little interactions that uh, um, like if we we finished playing and this guy says, hey, I'm going to help you move all your stuff out. And we're like, oh, okay, cool, thanks. And uh, on the way back in to grab something else, uh, I said, oh, hey, thanks, I'm Chris. And uh, he goes, hi, I'm John Hasty from Nonagon. And I was like, I know who Nonagon is. Oh, my God, this guy, this is John from Nonagon. Yeah. And and John and Christy, I've, I've, uh, Christy is John's wife. Like, I, They're some of my closest friends, and I, I love them dearly. And, like, it was just little things like that that just, yeah, no, it's, uh, the PRF is an amazing, amazing place. And, uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I, my life has been changed, uh, for the better through meeting people like John or meeting people like Randall or Ann and you, uh, Dixie, DJ, Josh, like I, 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 it, Chris and Jordana, like, I, I mean, it, like, it, I, I'm naming people, but feeling bad that I'm not naming other people, like <laughs> like Josh Hensley and Garth. Right, right, right. Um, but uh, but no, it's... you. I see you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but no, it's just it's yeah the the uh, I think that that we're very lucky. I, I it like they, you know it's a bunch of adults with their own opinions. Things don't always go like the way that we would like necessarily. Our we're going to have different opinions, but I think that we're better for having this community. So. Well, very good. So Chris, we're going to be closing out this episode shortly because your, uh, your new season of the operative is going to be premiering. So oh, was I was I supposed to upload that? <laughs> that oh <laughs> man, you got time. I, you got time. I haven't finished editing. Man, so I tell sorry. you what, brother, that would that would be more <laughs> advanced time than I uploaded my two hundredth episode. <laughs> it's like messaging music cop was like, "Fuck, I just hit send." Uh, <laughs> it was like three minutes before. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, it's it's been a long time coming. I'm I'm actually kind of embarrassed I haven't had had you on before. Uh, but but I'm glad we got to do it. I'm glad we got to do it in a way that to showcase this cool show that you do because I don't feel like enough people know about it and uh, I, I'm happy to check out this this next season you know the show uh, this show I generally close things out by asking people the question why do you do what you do oh I I, I Dan I was all prepared I was like uh, standing up why um, uh, <laughs> uh, why do I do uh, what I do, uh, 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 oh God, like it, it's not like I didn't know this was coming. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I, I, I have a, uh, uh, you know, it, 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 I think in part, uh, because, and you and I, I feel like have talked about this, is that I have some sort of, uh, maybe sick drive in me that I need to like, it's, it's like I, I, I see the finish line and, uh, before I get there, I've got to, I've got to fill up that, that card, uh, with as much as I can. And, uh, uh, so I gotta, I gotta keep doing more and more. And, uh, it, uh, 
it, it, to some degree, I, I realize that it's trying to fill some sort of void that I have in my life that, uh, um, uh, it's something that, that is lacking, but, uh, uh, but I, but I also get a lot of fulfillment out of it. And, uh, I, I, I'm just, I'm trying to spread some sort of, I don't know, joy, acceptance, understanding something to maybe help bring people together in some way. And I, I, I don't know that I'm always good at that. I, I admit that I could be better at times. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I feel like if I, if that's my goal, just spread like that sort of thing, uh, it, the more that I can do to help that, the better. Did that answer it? That's, that that answered it very well. Thank you. That was, okay. <laughs> I mean, there's no correct answer, but I feel like that's that's very articulate and that's a very noble goal. And I, I'd venture to say that you are uh, you are well on your way uh, to accomplishing it. And I'm I'm glad to to know you. I'm glad to have you on the show. And I'm glad for the music, the art, the comics, all of it. Uh, Plastic Flame. Plastic Flame. PlasticFlame.com. Uh, no, plasticflame.com, plasticflamepress.square.site is where. Oh yeah, if you, you go to plasticflame.com, yeah. then it'll it takes you. And then uh, oh yeah, and there's also because I'm supposed to plug it, uh, covercharge.bandcamp.com is the uh, the Cat's Cradle benefit. Oh, album. fantastic! So and that's the one that it's charting on Billboard. So if you want to be, yep, part of history. Yeah, if you, you get in the if you, wrong side or the right side of history. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, may, maybe I can get a Grammy and I can, you know, find a place. Like, that would be weird. Uh. <laughs> and, of course, The Operative on Radio Nope, uh, second yes. second season premiere begins in 30 seconds. You can find that on Facebook, uh, podcasted later. Did we miss anything? Maplestave.bandcamp.com? Yep. I think that's it. Right on. Thanks so much, brother. I love you, buddy. Love you, too. All right, there it goes. So let's listen now to a song by Chris's band, Maple Stave.
Thursday, Thunder Kiss 85. <laughs> That's Adam 10, Protons and Electron Series, Seismic Wave 024, some other band on the other side. I don't know, not familiar. Haven't checked it out. Well, hey, 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 here we go. Is this thing on? Chris Williams, Plastic Flame Press, Maple Stave, The Operative. He is on the internet. <laughs> Plasticflame.com. I don't know if there's a Maple Stave website. I don't think there is. They have a, they have a Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, all that all that stuff. Uh, MapleStave.bandcamp.com is probably the best place to find their stuff. Great band, underrated. I've always dug those dudes. Uh, the Operative. <clears throat> the Operative is on Radio Nope. Tuesdays, 9.30 Eastern. Uh, RadioNope.com. Find it wherever you find your podcasts. You can download it to your personal device. As we come to the close of our broadcast day. What a cool guy. Love that dude. Name of the show is Kona Neutrons Protonic Reversal. This has been the 201st episode of it. Signing off, Mr. and Mrs. America, and all the ships at sea. The show airs on Radio Nope as well, usually Thursdays. Eight Eastern, seven Central, six Mountain, five Pacific. RadioNope.com. Say yes to Nope. Also available as a podcast. 50,000 watts of Available wherever podcasts are found. ProtonicReversal.com for the archives as well. Patreon.com slash ProtonicReversal to hear the episode sooner. One dollar a month will get you there. But the show is free always. This microphone turns sound into electricity. Thanks everybody uh, sharing the episodes around. It, it helps people find out about the show and that's... Can you hear me now? That's great. Out on Stay safe. Dark and lonely. Take it easy. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now?
Welcome to my top ten. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. if there's no one there to receive. It's the end of radio. As we come to the close of our broadcast day, Thank mm-hmm. you.